You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. And the News Hour is live on location tonight, wrapping up Variety Week from Sunset Beach. Got a great crowd down here. We're having a lot of fun as we all help Variety make life better for some incredible kids with special needs right across the province. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. And it's not too late to make a difference either. You can join us down here, but also we'd ask you to call 310KIDS or text the word KIDS to 45678 to make a $20 donation. And of course, you can visit variety.bc.ca to make your donation. And as I said, come join us for the wrap-up party down here. That's right. And we will have much more on how you can help Variety coming up. But first, we have breaking news. That's right. MLA Ginny Sims has resigned from Cabinet. The Premier's office issuing a statement just a short time ago. Our Keith Baldry joins us from Victoria. Keith, what prompted the resignation? Uh, basically, the appointment of a special prosecutor, uh, Chris. So the Attorney General informed Premier John Horgan late this afternoon that a special prosecutor had been appointed to oversee an RCMP investigation that uh, Mr. Horgan's statement said related to Ginny Sims. So she's resigned from Cabinet. She's not resigned her seat, but she's re resigned from Cabinet as she held the post of Citizen Services Minister. This is the first major scandal to rock the NDP government since coming to power in 2017. Now, just a short time ago, Ginny Sims released her own very terse one paragraph statement, uh, basically, again, not providing many details, but uh, she went on to say in the statement that, uh, I think we've got it there, this afternoon I offered my resignation as Minister of Citizen Services upon learning of the pro appointment of a special prosecutor. Again, she goes on to say, I have not been given details of any allegations, but there was no credibility to previous public allegations. And she finishes up by saying, I'm confident that my name will be cleared, but do not want to distract from the important work of government in the future. And she goes on to say that she'll have, for that reason, I've decided to step away from my duties while the matter is resolved and says that she will no longer have any comment on this going forward. So again, the first resignation under this government of cabinet minister doesn't happen very often. We don't know what the allegations are, but I can tell you that she was under heavy uh, fire in the legislature in the spring session from the BC Liberals who were asking her about allegations from a former constituency office assistant who had been in that office a short time and was raising uh, complaints and allegations that she was sponsoring uh, people on a watch list from Pakistan improperly. And raising that is an issue that uh, the Liberals then said they would forward the allegations to the RCMP. And here's what happened today. All right, some stunning developments. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry uh, reporting live in Victoria. We'll keep watch on that story and update you as any details uh, come out throughout the broadcast. Yeah, and the breaking news comes fast and furious for us today. The Conservative candidate in Burnaby North Seymour, Heather Leung, is coming under fire for some homophobic comments she made eight years ago. Well, Leung wasn't commenting for most of the day, just as has been her... Uh, MO throughout the campaign, but as Jordan Armstrong reports tonight, her opponents are calling for her to resign. The people who draft this policy are digging a deep, dark pit for the next This generation. was Heather Leung in 2011, not camera shy then. These homosexual people, they cannot reproduce. Leung was speaking to a Burnaby Now reporter while the local school board was approving an anti-bullying policy. All those in favor? He aimed at protecting LGBTQ2 students. The next generation, they recruit more people and more people into their camp. 
Leung is now the conservative candidate in Burnaby North Seymour, but she's kept a low profile. For the past few weeks, we've repeatedly been told by her campaign manager that she was unavailable for an interview. Friday, he said, he didn't know where she was. She's been nearly invisible. Leung's opponents want the Conservative Party to fire her. She actually talks about her views, and they're very contrary to mine, and they're offensive to me personally. More young people. The NDP's Finn Robinson says Leung, an occupational therapist, has a long history of homophobic comments. She warned parents in Burnaby about a television program. And she said the host is a spokesperson for publicly promoting homosexuality. Watch out for Ellen DeGeneres. Leung's comments raise serious questions about the Conservative Party's vetting, says Liberal Terry Beach. Well, I think Andrew Scheer uh, owes our community an explanation. In fact, I think he owes the entire LGBTQ2 plus community an explanation. I haven't seen uh, this particular video that you're referencing. Of course, uh, uh, our party stands for inclusiveness and the rights of all Canadians, including uh, LGBT uh, Canadians, and will always do so. If Scheer does decide to fire Leung, the Conservatives will be without a contender in Burnaby North Seymour. The deadline to nominate candidates was Monday. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. All right, and as we mentioned, breaking news moments ago from the Conservative camp on this story. Our Jordan Armstrong is in the newsroom with the latest. Jordan. And Sophie, the Conservative Party has now fired Lee Young. We got this email from the party headquarters within the last five minutes. I'll read it to you here. It says, quote, recent media reports have brought to light offensive comments made by Miss Leung saying homosexuals recruit children and describing the sexual orientation of the LGBTQ community as perverted. There is no tolerance in the Conservative Party for those types of offensive comments, end quote. Now, there is an all-candidates meeting getting underway in Burnaby next hour. Surely this will be the hot topic as the Conservatives fire their candidate for some controversial comments. Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Jordan Armstrong with that breaking news from our newsroom. Well, now, a warning ahead of Monday morning's commute. If the Burrard Bridge is part of your route, you may need to find another way in and out of downtown. A climate protest is being planned, and it promises to be very disruptive. But organizers aren't saying how long they'll be there. Catherine Urquhart has more on what you need to know. Thousands of motorists cross Vancouver's Burrard Street Bridge every day. But this major crossing from Kitsilano to downtown Vancouver may be closed on Monday. A group called Extinction Rebellion is threatening to shut it down in support of climate action. We absolutely recognize that it will be an inconvenience for many drivers on the road and possibly transit as well uh, going over the bridge. However, we think that there is really no other way other than direct action. The group won't say how long they'll block the bridge. If I was going to work, it would impact me. I, I would still be in support of it. I don't use it personally myself. There are other routes to get around, but I can see it being an inconvenience for a lot of people around here. Vancouver police told Global News, VPD will have police officers on duty to monitor the situation. Our role is to help facilitate peaceful and lawful protest and restore order if an event becomes violent or unlawful. 
A lot of good changes happened throughout the history of this planet by nonviolent civil disobedience. So I do support that right. Last month, an estimated 100,000 people took part in the climate strike rally in Vancouver, many marching across the Canby Street Bridge. We recognize that it will be a very critical area for vehicles to get across. So you are going to allow emergency vehicles through? Yes. Extinction Rebellion says the closed crossing will be used to stage musical performances, art, drumming and speeches. And while vehicles won't be allowed to cross, the Burrard Street Bridge will remain open to cyclists and pedestrians. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. For the second time in as many days, a pedestrian has been hit by a car in East Vancouver. It happened around 10.30 Thursday night on East Hastings near Slocan. Vancouver police say it appears the 45-year-old victim was running across the street mid-block when he was struck. He suffered serious but non-life-threatening injuries. The driver, a 30-year-old Burnaby man, stayed at the scene. We're getting a tally now on how much the province has spent fighting wildfires this year. The BC Wildfire Service says an estimated $125.5 million was put toward fire suppression this season compared to $455 million last year. There were 784 wildfires burning just over 20,000 hectares. That's just 2% of the area that was scorched back in 2018. According to wildfire officers, it was all because of the weather conditions. This year what we saw is we had frequent rains, um, so not large amounts of rain in, in one period, but spread out kind of weekly. And so the fuel on the ground didn't have enough time to dry up the same way that it did in 2017 and 2018. So it's more about the frequency of the rain that we get that dictates how severe the fire season will be. The province expects to recoup close to $20 million from other provinces who received help from BC fire crews. Several Metro Vancouver plastic manufacturers are facing some new scrutiny tonight after a troubling new study. An environmental group claims it found thousands of plastic pellets in the Fraser River and Salish Sea. Nadia Stewart explains how they think they got there and how the province is responding. You can see some pellets down here, actually in the water. Researcher David Boudinot sees these plastic pellets as environmental pests that are polluting Metro Vancouver waterways. This is a solidified oil spill. When you see a liquid oil spill, there is a response. What we see here is a solidified oil spill that's been going on likely for decades and nobody is doing anything about it. Boudinot is a plastic pellet researcher with Surfrider Canada. He says these tiny nurdles are solidified oil or gas. They're used in everyday products. Manufacturing of bags and bottles and bottle caps and pens and uh, you know different plastic products that we use. But it's their disposal that has him and others at Surfrider Canada so concerned. Boudinot has spent the last three years examining pellet spills along the Fraser River. According to his findings seen here in this map, he's found evidence pellets are entering the waterways via manufacturing sites. It really surprised me, and especially how far they're traveling. I mean, we've found them all the way on the north end of Vancouver Island. It's why Surfriders is calling on the Ministry of Environment and Climate Change to launch an investigation.
In an email, a ministry spokesperson says they have no record of any reports of plastic pellets seen entering the Fraser River over the last three years. Typically, these kinds of reports are made via the province's 24-hour poachers and polluters tip line. Still, the ministry says it is looking into the organization's findings. But researchers say this is a problem that's bigger than B.C. It's going across international waters into the states. Like, this is a major issue that, uh, frankly, I don't think um, people understand the gravity of the situation. Nadia Stork, Global News. Fortis BC is applying to roll out new smart meters, but the device's method of measurement may prove contentious. The utility says the new meters will use sound waves to gauge natural gas consumption and send the data back to the company through a wireless network, meaning an end to manual individual meter readings. Fortis will apply for regulatory approval next year. If it gets the green light from the BC Utilities Commission, more than one million customers across the province would have their meters updated between 2020 and 2026. In the meantime, welcome back. It is the final day of Variety Week here at Global BC. We are live at Sunset Beach to wrap things up with a great crowd. And you've been supportive all week, but we want to uh, continue to see those donations come in. Give us a call at 310KIDS or you can go online, variety.bc.ca to help some very deserving families talk more about the great work Variety does coming up. Right now, though, an alleged thief is no doubt wishing he had kept better track of his own belongings after leaving his cell phone at the scene of the crime. That's right. The victim found the phone in his vehicle, and as Jennifer Palmer reports, it held an important clue that helped track down the suspect. I got in the garage and this door was already open. Lee Jackson didn't lock and his car doors thinking it would be safe. Parked in his garage, Sorry. except it now wasn't. He thinks he accidentally <laughs> left his garage door open, a thief seizing that opportunity. And I saw my glove box open, insurance papers and all that good stuff, manuals. Um, I checked to see if my, my wallet was under my seat, gone. But when Jackson looked in his car, he saw the thief left him a welcome surprise. I noticed that on the passenger seat by the seatbelt buckle, there was a cell phone. I took a SIM card out and I start, you know, contacting all those people and collecting all his calls. And I found out who the guy was. And I, he actually called me and I talked to him and I said, hey, let's meet up. Let me go ahead and give your phone back. You give me my stuff back. And he's like, OK, I'll meet up with you. But he never met up with me. While police searched for the alleged thief, Jackson took one further step. He posted the lock screen picture online. People are just tired of getting taken advantage of and getting robbed and, and stuff stolen from them. So it showed because everybody uh, stepped up and gave me the information I needed. It's alleged the thief used Jackson's credit cards. Abbotsford police confirmed they have arrested a suspect. Jackson has his stuff back, but his young family is shaken. The biggest thing is like, you know, my, my kids are at home, my wife's at home. I'm not always at home, so like the biggest thing for me is um, just, uh, you know, he kind of messed with just our our sense of security in the home. Jennifer Palma, Global News, Langley. Come on down for a ride on the Ferris wheel <laughs> or the carousel or visit the gaming stadium tent. We've got a lot of fun things to do and a lot of good things to eat down here at Sunset <laughs> Beach where we're wrapping up Variety Week for you tonight. Uh, Variety, as you know, is able to step in when families need it the most. For some, that means adaptive bicycles. For others, it means speech therapy. And for 10-year-old Ryan Chin, he needed help doing something most of us take for granted, enjoying food. 
I spoke with Ryan earlier today about his extreme food aversion and how variety is helping. All right, Ryan and I have already been playing some video video games today. Ryan and Andrew, how did I do, by the way, with the video games? Really horrible. What? What, Andrew, what do you think? I think you did good. Okay, so you guys, thank you very much. You guys are brothers, right? Yeah. Who's older? I am. And how old, you are 10? Yes. And how old are you, Andrew? Um, nine and three, two months. Nine and two months, okay. And this is Mum Nicole. Hello, Nicole. Hi, how are you? Tell us a little bit about um, what's going on with Ryan and, and his aversion to eating. Ryan has avoidant resistant food intake disorder, otherwise known as ARFID. So he has sensory issues to chewing and swallowing food. So it's very difficult for him to eat. So you don't, what, when you see food, do you, do you like it? Like, do you want it? Do you have foods you like? Sometimes if I kind of like the smell. You kind of like the smell? Yeah. What, what do you like the smell of? Um, sweet stuff. You like the smell of sweet stuff? Yeah. I'm not that hungry. You're not that hungry? Hot. It's hot. Hot. Okay, maybe. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. So you're making progress? Yes, we're, we're definitely making progress. Variety no. actually provides grants to Ryan for eating therapy and food therapy to help him explore the foods and try them. Thank you very much for sharing your story, Nicole. Thank you. And thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. It's the best part is licking the sugar off. <laughs> <laughs> he like likes we, to lick the sugar off. We, we all like doing that, Exactly. Too. It is cute. the best part. Thank you, Ryan and Mum Nicole, for sharing your story. For sure. All right, we will talk more about variety coming up. First, though, a Surrey woman who relies on a mobility scooter to get around is calling out a return at depot operator for what she says is discrimination. That's right. As Jill Bennett shows us, this woman is threatening to file a human rights complaint if the manager continues to refuse to let her use her scooter inside. Take a look. When the operator of this return at depot took over the business five years ago... He says there was a lot of cleaning up to do. Most dirty, most dangerous spot to put here. He says one of the big issues was people arriving by bike, then leaving those bikes all around the depot, making it difficult for others returning recyclables. Big problem. So, people were getting hurt. People oh, were tripping. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So he brought in a strict no bike policy, but it seems that policy is a broad one. Philippa Powers lives nearby and relies on a motorized scooter to get around. She recently arrived at the depot with her recycling. I went there to return my glass and he wouldn't let me in. And it was one of those days when my COPD was bad, my arthritis was bad, and I could barely walk six steps. When she was told she couldn't come in on her scooter because of the policy, she fought back. And I said, well, clearly, this is not a bike. It's a mobility scooter. I cannot walk very well without it. When you're busy, when you're... It is a problem. So I decided for everybody. A compromise was suggested by the owner. Powers could drive her scooter to the entrance, where an employee would take her recycling inside for her. For Powers, though, that solution isn't good enough. But I still like to go in and do it myself. I don't want to be dependent on other people 
while I can do it myself. Because banning bikes is a store policy, it doesn't fall under Surrey's bylaws or building permits. On Monday, Powers plans to file a complaint with the BC Human Rights Tribunal. Jill Bennett, Global News. We were also quite surprised to find a lot of plastic sheets that came from things like nappies and sanitary towels. We found some cotton buds. We even found some false teeth. <laughs> Just some of the unsavory items scientists found when they dissected a large, smelly blob discovered in a sewer in southwestern England. The so-called fatberg was mostly made up of hardened cooking fat that was flushed down toilets and sinks. Sorry for those of you eating dinner right now. Mm -hmm. Despite being longer than the height of the Tower of Pisa, scientists say the fatberg didn't pose a health or environmental concern. Sure was gross, though. Ugh. All right, to Hong Kong now, where thousands have defied a newly declared ban on face coverings during demonstrations by wearing masks in an angry demonstration. One teen was wounded by gunfire in today's protest. Many protesters use masks to hide their identity and to protect themselves from tear gas. It's the first time this security legislation has been invoked in more than half a century. The mask ban will take effect tomorrow and violators could face up to a year in jail. Groundbreaking actress Diane Carroll has died. I'm colored. What color are you? I'm a Negro. You always been a Negro, or you're just trying to be fashionable. In 1968, Carol became the first African American woman to star as someone other than a domestic worker in the groundbreaking sitcom Julia, a role for which she won a Golden Globe. She first made it big on Broadway, becoming the first black woman to win a Tony Award for her role in No Strings. In the 1980s, Carol joined the long running primetime soap opera Dynasty as diva Dominique Devereaux. Carol died in L.A. this morning from breast cancer. She was 84. A painting by the anonymous street artist Banksy has smashed expectations on the auction block. For £8,500,000. Emma, congratulations. So... The work, known as Devolved Parliament, was painted back in 2009, and it depicts chimpanzees in the British House of Commons. Sotheby's didn't expect it to fetch more than 3.3 million Canadian, but instead the work sold for more than four times that, just over 16 million Canadian. Banksy reacted to the sale on Instagram, saying, shame I don't still own it. <laughs> well, all week long we have met some incredible kids and learned how variety helps them just be kids. For Coraline, diabetes has made it difficult to do everything that her friends can. But with the help of Variety, some groundbreaking new technology has been a game changer. Like many kids her age, nine-year-old Coraline loves her Lego. But having fun isn't always easy. At age two, she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. When I was very little and I had to get the pump put on, I screamed and cried because it hurts so much mm -hmm. to me, like the needle like going into me. And you prick your finger. For the past seven years, Coraline has been forced to poke her fingers eight to ten times a day in order to ensure she's given the correct amount of life-saving insulin. The devastating diagnosis has brought plenty of sleepless nights. 
Your life is not your own anymore. You think about it 100% of the time. You never get a break. What have you got in your hand and what do you do with it? It's a seed jam. But now, thanks to Variety and manufacturer Dexcom, the Parksville resident has a brand new life-changing CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. And so my blood sugar is good right now. The advantage of a continuous glucose monitor is that it would deliver that information about what the blood sugar is doing 24-7. They don't have to test their blood sugar with a needle. Now Coraline CGM works alongside her insulin pump. Her family forever grateful. It changed my life forever again. It's a game changer, a complete game changer, and Variety helped us out. I'm so, you know, like I was so happy. Also happy, Coraline, who is looking forward to sleepovers with her friends, no more finger pricks, and of course, more Lego. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, it is a familiar scenario for Jamie John Gloats and his family who join us now. We have Johannes, who we have met uh, on very, through various variety of events in the past, and Parker as well. And here's Jamie right behind me, and then yeah. Kelly Weston, of course, from Variety. Hello, all. It's great to have you guys with us. Uh, Jamie, we'll start with you. Tell us how Variety's been helping you and the boys. Uh, Variety's actually been amazing. They gave Johannes a fully customizable wheelchair that was specific to him and his condition and what he would need for proper rehabilitation. Um, and without that, he wasn't uh, very mobile at all. So that was that was a big gift for us. Well, we're thrilled to, to be able to be a part of that help. And just watching that story about uh, Coraline, um, it must resonate with you because of Parker's challenges as well. Yeah, so Parker's a type 1 uh, juvenile diabetic. She was diagnosed just before two years old. What's juvenile? Uh, What's that? What's juvenile mean? It's just what they call it. Type 1. We'll call it, we type used to call one. it juvenile, but we'll call it type 1 now, but mostly because it generally is diagnosed in kids, so. But you have it your whole life, right? And it's challenging, I bet. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you, there's a reason we've got Callie in here, too, because, uh, you know, there's more... Well, we'll let her we'll let we'll let her do the surprise. Yeah, so I'm here today because we are launching a campaign with the help of all our viewers uh, to provide continuous glucose monitors for kids with type one diabetes, and we're here today to surprise you guys with one. So oh my I Lord. just yeah, I mean it, we all know how we saw the story before, but it's transformational in terms of managing the disease and you guys have so much going on that I'm so excited to be here today mm -hmm. to make that to give that to you so I'm gonna get out of the way here what do you think of that uh, it's, it's amazing um, these continuous glucose monitoring systems dramatically change diabetes care mm -hmm. like dramatically so uh, it's amazing thrilled to be able to do that Parker that think, must Parker? be good right yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. we're so glad Thanks All right, very thanks much, you guys. guys for Kelly, th on. and thank you to everybody at Variety and the donors as well. Welcome back. The News Hour is live at Sunset Beach in Vancouver tonight. We are wrapping up Variety Week. Beautiful shot of the carousel, the merry-go-round there, and a young, young, young guy on it <laughs> having fun. Hey, it's not too late to donate. You can still call 310 Kids or go online, it's that easy, variety.bc.ca. And of course, Accent uh, Inns is... They're matching. They're matching this hour, so this is the time to call right now, 310 Kids. Coming up, right after the forecast, a giant gnome that lived in Nanus Bay for more than two decades has been given 
a new home and a makeover. We'll have the big reveal for you after Yvonne's forecast. <laughs> that is amazing. Let's check in with Yvonne right now and see what's coming. It's a little cool down here, but at least the rain's held off for the most part. Yes, and we'll continue to see cloud cover even leading in towards our Saturday morning, but there are some bright spots on all of the timeline in just a moment. It is ominous looking out now on English Bay. Temperatures have been cool today. 11, 12 was the high. Average for this time of the year sits closer to 16 degrees, and we'll start to see that number bump up for the latter half of the weekend. So still a slight chance to see a few isolated showers this evening. It'll be very light if we do see any, and this is the next weather maker that we're tracking. But the good news is for the weekend, we've got a break in between systems, and the timeline for tomorrow morning is cloud cover, a chance of showers, a clearing is going to kick in as we approach the noon hour, sunshine, drying conditions. It'll be partly cloudy through the day on our Sunday, and then the next weather maker is going to push in, and that'll be Sunday evening, and a heads up for your Monday, rain and heavy at times. Coastal sections for tomorrow, the northern half, a chance of showers, inland remaining dry, a mix of sun and cloud throughout much of the central interior, the southern half will have cloud cover, a chance of showers for the morning, and then drier conditions with highs into the teens. Most areas along the south coast, so it is cloud cover, a slight chance to see an isolated shower, a clearing, fantastic past the noon hour tomorrow. Sunday, we're looking at a mix of sun and cloud, but it's the evening and then in towards our Monday that we'll see rain and heavy at times for the day tomorrow, high up to 13. Guys? All right, Wednesday's looking good. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Sure is. A much-loved Vancouver Island landmark has a new home and a bit of a new look. That's right. Ever since acquiring Howard, the nearly 8-meter-tall gnome this past spring, staff at Gailey Farm in Saanich have been working to give him a much-needed makeover, even adding a new mechanical arm. Despite a height variance approved by Saanich Council, Howard is only allowed to stand guard for 90 days each year. The gnome was nearly homeless last year after being forced from his spot on Highway 1 near Nanoose Bay, where he'd been for 21 years. Gailey Farms eventually stepped in, knowing that he would be the perfect addition there. So a very proud day for us, the whole family, and I think this is the greatest thing for the community. I mean, everyone's coming out for Pumpkin Fest and Festival of Fear, and um, yeah, look at him. He's now waving, blinking, big smiles, so... Very, very great day today. Congratulations, Gailey Farm. Well done. <laughs> you have to give well, him a big wave when you're going past there, Squire. Oh, that creeps me out. <laughs> it's a bit weird, like, especially because it's the slow blink. Uh, and it, yeah, everything is like very, yeah. A homeless gnome. We don't want that. No. no. But he's not homeless anymore. That's good. Hey! Oh, again! Oh. One of the popular booths down here at Sunset Beach tonight is the Gaming Stadium Tent, hosting the ultimate eSports experience for the Variety Week wrap-up party. Squire and I, you see, head-to-head -head playing NHL 20. It was a lot oh, of fun. The competition was fierce. That's why I'm sitting in between you guys right, right? now. It was heated. Next month, something really cool is happening. The Gaming Stadium in Richmond has partnered with Variety to raise money for children with special needs during its upcoming tournament, November 23rd and 24th. So it'll be 36 hours straight of gaming. We'll be broadcasting the whole thing live online. And the goal is to raise $50,000 over those 36 hours. So we really hope people come to Richmond, come to the stadium. And if not, tune in online. Um, and if they've got a few dollars in their pocket that they can help donate, it's great. Um, and you know, that money goes to a great cause. So it's all about giving back. And if we get to play video games in the process, it's a huge win for everybody. 
for 36 hours. You get to play video games. How awesome Straight? is that going to be? Did you guys, so like, cool. or did it get heated? Like, are you, Look, is everything okay? It, we oh, were yeah. chucking we, knuckles. We, 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 uh, we shook hands later. We did, yeah. It was Sports a draw. Like, okay. It was a tie. Well, I, and I think I probably would have won, but I'm an Xbox guy. I'm not a PlayStation guy. Oh, right. Yeah, right. The excuse. That's what happened. That's not an excuse. <laughs> it's real. Uh, oh, the Seahawks, of course, won last night because the Rams missed a field goal, but they also won because, as we said earlier, Russell Wilson shone brighter than their lime green uniforms which I gotta say, would be very smart to wear on a dark highway. Wilson put on a four touchdown pass display that included a throw to the very corner of the end zone that had to be exact. Not only did Russell Wilson put the ball in the perfect spot, he did it while running. He didn't have time to drop back and set up. This was improvisation with impeccable touch. Things didn't work out the way that we wanted to with the play being ran. Uh, Russell kept the play alive. Anytime a DB um, is facing you and his back is turned to Russ, Russ is going to throw it and he's going to give us a chance to make a play. The best thing about that throw was if I didn't get it, nobody was going to get it. I think about uh, I think about Steph Curry, you know. I think when you think about Steph Curry, you know, how he shoots a basketball, that's how I want to throw a football, you know. Uh, you know, put it on the money. He makes some crazy throws, makes some crazy plays, you know. I, I love watching sports and he's one of my favorite guys to watch, you know, uh, just how he shoots a basketball. So, you know, you don't get there by by not by not working at it, by not believing it. And, uh, you know, so you got to love the game. You got to love the process of it all. And so that's what that's what makes it happen. I mean, I could get used to them, I guess, the uniforms. Not <laughs> horrible. If the lights went out in the stadium, Seahawks have an advantage. Uh, BC Place is busy this weekend. Tomorrow, Lions in Toronto, Whitecaps in Salt Lake on Sunday. That win by the Whitecaps over the Galaxy last Sunday, 4-3, wasn't just a huge surprise and probably the biggest victory in a season where they really haven't had a lot of victories. It was also a big win for Canadian soccer because the Whitecaps started a six-pack of Canadians, which is the most ever since they joined MLS, but that wasn't all the Canadians did. Three of the six Canadians scored. Daniil Henry, Theo Bear, and Tosant Ricketts, which is the first time in Major League Soccer history that three Canucks have scored in one game. It may have been meaningless in the standings, but it was meaningful to them. I mean, anyone that knows me knows I'm a loyal Canadian, and for Theo and um, Daniil to get those goals and to set that record means everything to me. Canadian soccer is really growing, and uh, us three scoring in that game is, is proof of it. I'm excited and I'm happy for the quality that we're, we're raising, um, and hopefully we, we finally get some of the respect that we deserve. Respect is something a lot of Canadian players feel they don't get much of in Major League Soccer. And maybe that's because our national team has lacked success on the international level for many years. But in head coach Mark DeSantos, Canadians on the Whitecaps feel they have someone who will not be swayed by what their passport says. I play the players that are the best options right now for the team, regardless the flag. It happens that the flag is a lot Canadian right now, but that could change. I want to be fair. If a Canadian player deserves to be here and deserves to play, he's going to be here and he's going to play. It's also great to know that the club has your back, being a Canadian, knowing that you can come here and they have uh, 
you know, we have their full support in the organization. It's nice, and uh, as you can see, a lot of Canadians are flourishing here. Speaking of Canadians, Bianca Andrescu, Naomi Osaka, the last two U.S. Open women's champions. What they have in common outside of that, they both beat Serena. Andrescu was actually up 5-1 in the first set, but Osaka fought all the way back. Andrescu ended up winning at those 7-6. This is a great rally between these two, and this is how close it was. Osaka can go get it just like Andrescu. But in the end, Osaka would win this rally and win the second set by the oh. score of six to three. Wonderful from Osaka. And then she ended it by dealing an ace. So the 17 match win streak for Bianca is over. Osaka beats her in the quarterfinals in China. Game one, ALDS, Astros and Rays. This is some nice double play work by Houston. Van Jose Altuve in the fifth with the score still 0-0. Hits the two-run homer. Now that's a bit of damage, but they should have got out of the inning, Tampa right here. But Brandon Lowe drops it. And that is a two-run tragedy. Oh. And the Astros go on to win game one, 6-2. And earlier today in Prague, Philadelphia beat Chicago in the NHL 4-3. In Prague, okay. In Prague. Thanks, Squire. Thank you, Squire. All right, just before we wrap up Variety Week, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are taking aim at the British press again. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex are launching legal action for the second time this week, this time taking on two British tabloids accused of hacking voicemail messages. Tonight, Prince Harry firing another shot in his war with the tabloids. Buckingham Palace confirming lawsuits have been filed after the illegal interception of voicemails. The owner of the Sun newspaper confirming action against it, while the Mirror says it is aware of the action but has not received notification. These latest claims come just two days after the Duchess of Sussex filed suit against the Mail on Sunday, alleging it illegally published a handwritten note to her father. Prince Harry obviously hopes that by showing he's prepared to go to court, to take on all the risks of litigation, all the stress of litigation, even to put his wife through the prospect of giving evidence, it will deter the tabloids from pursuing him. It's still unclear when the alleged voicemail hacking occurred. In the 2000s, journalists were implicated of accessing the phones of celebrities, lawmakers and members of the royal family. Rupert Murdoch's Sun newspaper and the now-defunct News of the World were at the center of that scandal. In 2012, Prince William and Kate Middleton sued a French magazine featuring topless photos of her on vacation. In 1993, Princess Diana settled for more than a million pounds after a British tabloid printed pictures of her at the gym. Earlier this week, Prince Harry likened the treatment of his wife to his mother before her death, as tensions flared with reporters. In his increasingly public fight, to keep some things private. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News. All right, ready to wrap up Variety Week now. What an amazing week it's been helping so many families. We've got Kenton Boston, our VP of National and Network News. We'll talk to him about our involvement on, on behalf mm -hmm. of the TV station, but also uh, Callie Wesson, CEO of Variety, with us as well. Okay, Callie, uh, you know, I'm sad that the week is wrapping up. 
once again. <laughs> Our viewers have stepped up. How has the week gone from your perspective? It's been transformational. We've really been able to help so many families and it's, I'm always overwhelmed by the generosity of people in British Columbia. It's truly amazing. And I know our family and the Variety family is grateful for everyone's support and definitely for global support. And everything that everyone does is amazing. So thank you. Well, it's taken a cast of thousands to do it. We've got a whole crew, obviously, helping us put this on. But so much of uh, what we do at Global has a great reach across the province. We couldn't uh, do what we do without your support. Yeah, Ken. thank you. Thank you, Chris, and to all the crew, to our listeners and viewers, the Chorus family. Uh, we're just so honored to be here and represent us and on behalf of the kids of BC. All right, now before we go, we want to see how many uh, kids your donations have helped so far this Variety Week. So since Monday, here's the number, 233 kids. That's $582,000 in donations. Woo. First time Callie's seen that. What do you think? That's It's overwhelming. I'm so happy. Thank you, everyone. Thanks Keep the so donations much, everybody. coming. 310 kids. Keep them coming and have a great weekend. Thanks very much.